Welcome to the High Point Baptist Church Sermon Cast, expository Bible sermons from the preaching and teaching ministry of High Point Baptist Church in Larksville, Pennsylvania, for the glory of God and the proclamation of His Word. We thank you for listening. And now, High Point Baptist Church guest speaker, Carl Majeski. If you can please open your Bibles to the book of Philippians. We'll be in chapter 4 tonight. Our text for tonight will be Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And I'll be reading from the New American Standard Version. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Starting in verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Before we look at these verses together, let's take a moment and pray. Lord, as we look at your word this evening, Lord, I pray you would give us a greater understanding of what we read and what we hear tonight. I pray, Father, that you would give us a a deeper and a greater understanding of this particular text and how it applies to our lives. And I pray that as a result of this, we would have a greater love for your word and a greater love for you. May we become more dependent on you and less dependent on ourselves. Lord, by your mercy and by your grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit, may these things be so. In Christ's name we pray, amen. As you may have seen in your bulletin tonight or this morning, the title of our message tonight is God's Antidote for Anxiety. God's Antidote for Anxiety. So for the purpose of giving a uh, brief background on this letter, a very brief background, Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter to the church of Philippi. This letter, along with Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon, they are commonly known as the prison epistles, and it's generally accepted that Paul wrote these epistles, including this one, during his first imprisonment in Rome between the years 80, 60, in AD 62. During the time that Paul was writing this letter, the Philippians were concerned about the safety and the welfare of Paul and Epaphroditus. As we said, Paul was in prison. And after all, there was a natural concern for him. And as we see in Philippians chapter 2, that Epaphroditus suffered from a near fatal illness. On top of that, the church of Philippi was also under constant threats of persecution, for their faith in Christ. So there were plenty of reasons for the Philippians to be anxious and to be worried. However, it appears that the Philippians had crossed the line from having genuine concern over these matters to being overly concerned and anxious. So Paul addressed this anxiety in our verses that we'll be focusing on this evening. So tonight, I would like to cover three points that we will see in the text 
regarding anxiety. Number one, what is God's command regarding anxiety? Two, what is God's cure for anxiety? Three, what is God's promise regarding anxiety? God's command, God's cure, and God's promise. Tried to come up with a third letter C there, but I just couldn't, I couldn't make it work. And then Robert hits his three letter E's this morning and felt a little pressure there coming in here tonight. But you know what? We have two C's and a P, and that's what we're going with. And I hope you'll see that by the end of this message, the word promise is a very fitting description to what we're talking about. Once again, repeating what Paul says in verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul starts off in verse 6 with a clear command, which will answer our question, our first question, which is what is God's command for anxiety? When he says, be anxious for nothing. In the English Standard Version, we see it translated as, do not be anxious about anything. In the Holman Christian Standard Bible, it's translated as, don't worry about anything. So God's command regarding anxiety is clear. Do not be anxious. We are all familiar with the many commands, many commands in the Bible. Do not murder. Do not covet. Do not lie. Do not steal. All these commands are pretty clear. They're pretty cut and dry. We know what it means to murder. We know what it means to lie. We know what it means to steal. But now we hear Paul say, do not be anxious about anything. So how would we define anxiety? Some of the ways that anxiety can be defined, and you'll find these definitions in various Bible dictionaries, would be to be troubled with cares, to take thought regarding something, to have distracting thoughts or cares, and to meditate upon those thoughts and cares. Another way that it can be explained is to be drawn in different directions, to distract or to have a distracting care or to have distracting thoughts or distracting thought patterns. Anxiety and worry clearly involve our minds and they clearly involve our thoughts. So what does Paul say about worry and anxiety? He clearly says, don't do it. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, it wasn't just Paul, but Jesus also says numerous times, do not anxious, do not be anxious, do not be worried. You can see in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus says, for this reason I say to you, Do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat and what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And in Matthew 6, 34, he says, So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Paul And our Lord Jesus are very clear here. They do not beat around the bush. They don't say, well, try not to be anxious. 
They don't say, well, do your best not to be anxious. They don't say, well, you know, do not be anxious about these things, but you know, that thing you're going through right here, that's a pretty big thing, so we're going to cut you some slack there. No. He said, they say, no, do not worry ever about anything. They make it very clear. When we read in God's Word that we are not to do something, and we do it, what do we call it? Sin. It is sin. Anxiety is not an acceptable behavior for a believer. Well, you may say, well, what about this big problem I'm going through right now? Surely it's natural and it's okay to be anxious about that. Surely this has to be an exception. Paul said, be anxious for nothing or do not be anxious about anything. There's no wiggle room here. Let's go back to Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. And if you could turn in your Bibles there to follow along. We're reading from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is speaking and he addresses the most common causes of anxiety. Jesus uses the word worry six times in these verses. In verses 25 and 26, Jesus addresses the issue of food and drink. Starting in verse 25, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Verse 26, look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? In verse 27, he addresses our physical well-being when he asks, and who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? Many people have severe anxiety over their health, the fear of getting sick, or the fear of dying. They worry about how long they're going to live, and they worry about prolonging their life, yet anxiety and stress is shown to have the opposite effect. Anxiety and stress can, and in many cases does, cause a multitude of health problems that will negatively affect the quality of your life and, in fact, will actually shorten your life. So there's some truth in these phrases that we often hear that I'm worried sick or you're worrying yourself to death. Think about that. In the book of Job, chapter 14, verse 5, it says, Since his days are determined, the number of his months is with you. And his limits you have set so that he cannot pass. The number of our days is determined by God. And the quicker we come to understand and believe and embrace this, the quicker we can eliminate our worry about these things. In verses 28 through 30, Jesus addresses the worrying about, clo- addresses the worrying about clothing when he instructs us to carefully to learn carefully from the lilies of the field. Verse 28, And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. 
They do not toil, nor do they spin. Another word for toil is to labor or to work. So when Jesus says toil and spin, he's referring to common occupations of this time, such as working in the field. And spinning is referring to the sewing of clothes at home. So look at the lilies. They grow and they don't even have to work at it. Verse 29, Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. Solomon, the richest of Israel's monarchs, King Solomon, in all his glory and all his splendor, could not compare to the beauty of how God clothed the grasses of the field with the lilies. And in verse 30, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? If God shows such concern over the grass in the field, which is short-lived when compared to humans, how much more will he care for us? Finally, one last thing that Jesus addresses in this passage is something that can be considered one of the most common things that people worry about, and that's the future. Verse 34. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I like how the Expositor's Bible Commentary says that Jesus is implicitly teaching that even for his disciples... Today's grace is sufficient only for today and should not be wasted on tomorrow. If tomorrow does bring new trouble, there will be new grace to meet it. Now, worrying about tomorrow does not mean that we should not plan for the future. It's wise to plan for the future, but it's sinful to be anxious about it. This also does not mean that we won't have cares or concerns in this life. However, cares and concerns are different from sinful worry and anxiety. I think the difference between the two can be characterized by one word, control. Who do you think is in control? Do you really think you're in control of those things that are causing you worry? Worry for the future? Worry about your health? Worry about how long you will live? Let's get to the heart of the matter. Even though you intellectually know that God is truly in control of all these things, are you wrestling with him to gain back control? Do you think you can do a better job than God? Because if you are in that wrestling match and you think you can do a better job, I can tell you it's an exercise in futility. Ask me how I know. I speak from personal experience. A person can be genuinely concerned about something, but at the same time, they can still maintain their trust in God. There are things that will naturally cause care and concern in our life, such as, say, an upcoming exam, a job interview, financial interviews, your teenage drivers, <laughs> awaiting the results of a medical test. But ultimately, we know 
that God is sovereign. We know that we have to do our part. We have to put in the work. We have to prepare. We have to take precautions. There's wisdom in all of that. But ultimately, the results and the outcome is up to the Lord. When we worry, when we are obsessively anxious, we take our eyes off of the Lord. We don't recognize his sovereign control over every area of our life and his goodness and his love for us. And what do we do? What do we focus on? We focus on ourselves. The truth is, what are we doing? What are we doing when we do this? We're trying to be God. We're trying to be God in this certain situation. So Paul says in verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, or do not be anxious about anything. So in the little things and in the big things, God's word says, point blank, do not be anxious about them. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I think we've established that if we do do that, we're sinning. Anxiety is having a divided mind. On one hand, we believe that God loves us and he's control over our lives. But at the same time, we have a preoccupation with what might happen in the future. Your mind is divided and in many cases, the preoccupation becomes an obsession. And you can't just stop being anxious. Bobby McFerrin's ideology. Y'all know who Bobby McFerrin is? His ideology doesn't work here. Bobby McFerrin, don't worry, be happy, you know? This isn't going to cut it. Anxiety and worry is wrong thinking. It involves wrong thought patterns. You need to replace those thought patterns with something else. You need to change the habit of your worry You need to change the habit of your wrong thinking. Fortunately for us, Paul does not stop with the command, be anxious for nothing. He doesn't just say, don't be anxious. Got it? Good. Next topic. No, he doesn't do that. He gives us an alternative. He gives us an antidote, a cure. He gives us the answer to our second question of tonight's message of the three points, and that is, what is God's cure for anxiety. The answer to our second point can be found in the second part of verse 6. Again, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He didn't just say stop worrying and leave it at that. There's a but there. The New Living Translation, which I don't refer to often, uses the word instead. And I think that's accurate. So regarding being anxious, Paul says, be anxious for nothing, but instead, here is what I want you to do. I'm going to give you an alternative. I want you to pray, and I want you to pray about everything. Here we have a total contrast of Paul's first command. A negative followed by a positive. Be anxious for nothing, but instead pray about everything. Paul uses three words here to describe prayer. Three synonyms. Can you pick them out? Prayer, supplication, and requests. The word requests refers to specific things, as in letting God know specifically what your request is. 
Well, you may say, well, why do I need to tell God everything if he already knows? After all, Matthew chapter 6, verse 8 says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. I like how Gerald Hawthorne puts it when he writes in the Word Biblical Commentary. He says that it is but the apostle's quaint way of expressing the very personal nature of prayer. He's saying, in effect, that prayer is a conversation with, a plea directed to, a request made of, and information given to the supreme person of the universe who can hear, know, understand, care about, and respond to the concerns that otherwise would sink people in despair. When you have situations that that arise that can lead to worry, that can lead to anxious thoughts, Paul is saying, hey, don't camp out there. Don't stay there. Don't dwell on what's happening and on what could happen. Instead, here's what you need to do. You need to pray. You need to pray about everything. You need to tell God about everything. 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15 says, This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. Hebrews 4.16 says, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So let me ask you, do you do this? Do you do this? Is your first instinct to go to God? Or is your mind trained to worry? Think of that word trained. To take that worrisome thought and meditate it, meditate upon it until it was one, until what was once a tiny, tiny little speck of concern becomes a mountain of obsessive anxiety. We have to retrain ourselves. Speaking personally, I've learned from this and I continue to try to train myself when an anxious thought hits me. I respond by saying just one word, Father. I cry out to God and that just gets the ball rolling for me. And then I tell him what I'm anxious about. But just that one word, Father, takes my mind off my trouble and what does it do? It turns it to God. Then I can make my request be made known to him. 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7 says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he might exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Psalm 55.22 says, Cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. That word casting, it's an action that we are to take. Referencing John MacArthur, he says that casting means to throw something onto something. As to throw a blanket on a donkey, that's the example he gave. 
Christians are to cast all of their discontent, discouragement, despair, and suffering on the Lord and trust him for knowing what he is doing with their lives. That Greek word for casting is used one other time in the New Testament in Luke 19.25 where it's translated as through. They brought it to Jesus and they threw their coats on the colt and they put Jesus on it. So you get the picture of what it means by casting your care upon him. We see in verse 6 that in order to cast or to throw our burdens upon the Lord, there's something we need to do first. We need to first humble ourselves. We need to humble ourselves before him. Giving our cares to the Lord is an act of humility. One commentary speaks of the contrary when it says that worry is a form of pride because it involves taking concerns upon oneself instead of entrusting them to God. The New American Commentary states that worry is a form of pride because when believers are filled with anxiety, they are convinced that they must solve all the problems in their lives in their own strength. The only God they trust in is themselves. When believers throw their worries upon God, they express their trust in his mighty hand, acknowledging that he is Lord and sovereign over all of life. As Goplet says, affliction either drives one into the arms of God or severs one from God. We can trust God. Why can we trust him? Because he cares for us. Do you take comfort in that? Do a little self-reflection now. What area of your life do you want to keep control over? Write it down if you want. Is it money? Is it your family? Is it your health, your career, your future in general? Whatever area it is, it demonstrates where you're not trusting God, and it demonstrates where you're trying to be God. So instead of worrying, instead of being anxious, the Apostle Paul says to pray and to make your requests be made known to God. Prayer is how we approach God, and he speaks to us through his word, and we speak to him through prayer. But we need to make sure we're praying correctly. And there's a key word in verse 6 that we have not talked about yet. Paul says that when we pray, we're to pray with an attitude of thanksgiving. Once again, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. With thanksgiving, what does that look like? What does that mean? How do you pray with thanksgiving? I'd like to propose that praying with thanksgiving involves completely trusting in God's sovereignty and also trusting in God's goodness in all things. Thanksgiving is an attitude. It's an attitude of gratitude to God. It should be a heart of thankfulness to God for his sovereignty over everything in your life and particularly over whatever situation you may be in the midst of that is causing you worry. Psalm 115 verse 3 says, But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Do you take comfort in that? 
Do you truly trust God with every area of your life? Do you take hold of the promise of Romans 8.28 that says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Do you take comfort in that? Do you believe that? All things. This does not mean that all things will work out the way we want them to. Sometimes they don't. But it does mean that whatever the outcome, it is for the good of those who love him. Do you take comfort in that and does that thankful attitude permeate your prayers? Only by the means of thankful prayer in every situation is it possible to stop being anxious about anything. Once again, referencing John MacArthur in his New Testament commentary, he says, spiritually stable people react to trials with thankful prayer. Such prayer is the antidote to worry and the cure for anxiety. Now listen to this. The theology of prayer is not in view here, but rather its priority and the attitude the believer brings to it. I don't doubt that many of us pray here, but how are we praying? Are we praying correctly? Is it a priority? And what is the attitude that we bring to the Lord when we come to him in prayer? So that brings us to the answer of our second question. God's cure for anxiety is thankful prayer. Is it a priority for you in all circumstances? Or is it a last resort? What's your attitude when you pray? Is it thankful? When trials come, what is your response? Do you cry out to God knowing that he's in complete control and working everything together for your good? When we do this, when we go to God in prayer with a thankful heart, we are given a great promise in verse 7, which will answer our third question, and that is, what is God's promise regarding anxiety? Verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When we go to God in prayer with a thankful heart, when we make our requests be made known to him, we are given that wonderful promise of peace, which will guard our hearts and will guard our minds from anxiety. How do we define this peace? Some other definitions of this particular type of peace are inner calm, tranquility, rest, trust, calmness, when we practice not just praying, but praying the right way with a thankful heart and attitude, the peace of God will flood the anxious and troubled soul. The peace of God or the peace that comes from God involves a believer's close walk with God. When a believer is walking close with God, all these things that were just mentioned, tranquility, calm, rest, complete trust and a focused mind on God, Come along with it. Once again, quoting John MacArthur, 
He says in his New Testament commentary, inner calm or tranquility is promised to the believer who has a thankful attitude based on unwavering confidence that God is able and willing to do what is best for his children. What else does Paul say about this peace that is promised to us? He calls it a peace beyond all comprehension or a peace beyond all understanding in its power to relieve anxiety. It is a peace that just cannot be explained with our human mind. It's a peace that in some cases has no business being there considering the circumstances that we're going through. It's a peace that cannot be created by any human effort or by any human reason. That is because it is a divine peace that can only come from God. It's a peace that comes even when things do not turn out as we had hoped for or prayed for. What is the purpose of this peace? The purpose of this peace is to guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus, as we see in verse 7. To guard is a military term, meaning to keep watch over or to protect or to garrison by guarding. Like soldiers assigned to watch over a certain area, God's peace garrisons the hearts and minds, or in other words, the thoughts and emotions of his children. God's peace will guard the believer from anxiety, from doubt, from fear, from distress. God's peace stands on duty to keep out anything that brings worry and anxiety. Walter Hansen says in, a new, in the Pillar New Testament commentary, only by praying with thanksgiving in every situation is it possible to stop being anxious about anything. The continuous positive focus of praying with thanksgiving to God in everything breaks and replaces the habit of worry. So to summarize our three points tonight, God commands us not to be worry, not to wor- not to be anxious or to worry under any circumstances. However, he does give us an alternative when we are tempted to worry. That is to pray with a thankful heart and to make our requests be made known to him. And when we do this, we're promised that we will receive the unexplainable peace of God to guard us from anxiety. Now, in closing, I'd be neglectful if I did not make this final point as we talk about having the peace of God. One cannot obtain the peace of God if he or she does not have peace with God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Every person who has repented and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ has peace with God through justification by faith. Our peace with God involves our standing and our position with God. Do you have peace with God this evening? Do you believe that you're a sinner? 
and you need forgiveness? Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all are in need of forgiveness of our sins. We've all lied. We've all stolen. We've used God's name in vain. We've lusted. We've gotten angry at people. We all fall short of His glory. Romans 3.10 says, There is none righteous, not even one. Have you asked for forgiveness of your sins based on Christ and Christ alone? If you haven't, Romans chapter 2, verse 5 addresses your condition. Verse 5 says that because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. You cannot have the promise of the peace of God because you do not have peace with God. And you will face judgment according to Matthew 25:46, where it says, these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Finally, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse, verse 15 says, it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Jesus Christ, or that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among who I am foremost of all. If you do not have peace with God this evening, the Bible says that you need to repent, you need to turn from your sins, you need to stop trusting in your own attempt at righteousness, and you need to ask for forgiveness not based on what you have done for God, but based on what God has done for you and dying on the cross as payment for your sins and being raised again to defeat death and sin once and for all. If you haven't done that, would you do that today? We're not guaranteed tomorrow. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Ask God to save you based on the work of Christ. As Romans 10.13 says, for whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your word and for what you taught us here tonight. Lord, I pray that we would not get comfortable with our worry with our anxiety as something that is okay, something that is acceptable. Lord, I, would pray, I pray that you would help us to retrain our minds that as we worry, as we meditate on things that we should not be focused on, help us to direct our focus on you, come to you in prayer with a thankful heart, as we make our requests be made known to you, Lord, and may we embrace that promise and anticipate that promise of an unexplainable peace that only you can give. Lord, I pray for anyone here who may struggle with anxiety. 
pray, Father, that today would be the day that those habits are changed, that we would quit trying to control things on our own and embrace the fact that you have complete control over everything, including our lives and every aspect of it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the expository Bible teaching of our guest speaker, Carl Majeski, on the High Point Baptist Church Sermon Cast, and we pray you have been blessed by what you've heard. If you have any questions about the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, or if you would like to speak with someone concerning salvation through faith, please reach out to us right away. It would be a great joy and blessing to minister to you. Contact information can be found on our website. If you have any additional questions or comments regarding this sermon, would like to know more about our church, or would like to submit a prayer request, just visit us online at highpointbaptist.church. Additional sermons can be found on the SermonCast page of our website and may be downloaded or streamed free of charge. Our website again is highpointbaptist.church. Thank you again for listening. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Copyright 2018, High Point Baptist Church, All Rights Reserved.